Stand clear of the closing doors, please. Disclaimer. If you recognize yourself or think we may have had a great love story in my head without you being aware of it, don't worry. I mostly have great memories of those. You almost always treated me right. And for the time you made me cry because you flirted with other girls in front of me, I forgive you. You didn't know. What? Oh, I'm sorry. I was supposed to say, all characters appearing in this work are fictitious, any resemblance to a real person, living or dead, is purely coincidental. Except if I actually say your name or give you a phone number, then you can safely assume I'm talking about you, Joey Capelito. But let us start by talking about Tom. I feel like we need a bit of context here, since as a girl who has been raised watching great love stories like Cinderella, Snow White, The Sleeping Beauty, Rachel and Ross, Brenda and Dylan, my first instinct was to start my story by telling you how I feel every day like a princess whose only concern is to make myself look pretty to lock down my prince. But we could not be further from the truth. I mean, I have a job that I love. I'm not living in a tiny cell in a really high tower, even if, I must admit, my apartment in New York is not that much bigger or closer from the ground than Rapunzel. But my domain is super nice, and I'm allowed out. Finally, I fulfill most of the criteria of the independent woman the Destiny's Charles wants me to be. You see my problem here? I'm not sure it's really a problem, though. But the stereotype of the woman who is supposed to find her great love don't really match my reality. And I think it might be the case for many. I mean, really? The whole single, young, virginal girl pining over the rich dude from the town and waiting for him to show up on his white heart to save her from her condition? Don't get me wrong, it's nice and all, but I can't believe that in the history of the world, at some point, it existed as many Prince Charming as single girl. We are not in Disneyland. And even there, Tinkerbell knew all along that she had to fight for the guy she liked if she didn't want the first floozy passing by with her blonde hair and blue nightgown to snatch him right on her nose. And he was not even a prince. Way to set up your daughter for disappointment, people. No, no, but I get it, I get it. Girl didn't have the choice. They needed a husband, even the Captain Hook would do, since they couldn't study, work, or even open a bank account to inherit their family money. So, no choice there. And after all this year, the challenge evolved. Thanks God. But women still struggled to live their life as they pleased, and feeding the society, finding their balance between Samantha Jones and Samantha Stevens. How many times did I hear that if I don't have a man in my life, it's because I'm too independent or too smart? As if those were bad? I guess I'm more tinkerer than a Wendy. Recently, one of my good friends, really successful girl, told me that she knew, I quote, what my problem was. Apparently, with guys, I'm the buddy girl. At first, guys see me as a buddy, and her advice was, so next time you find a guy you like, 
You want to make him feel like a man. Just shut up. You can only talk to tell him how interesting and right he is. At the time, I wasn't sure if it was the best or the worst advice I ever received. So I decided to repeat it to everybody I talked to. And the reaction were weird. Every girl were like, maybe it could work. There is something there. And every guy were like, are you fucking crazy? It's the stupidest idea I ever heard. I find it funny or concerning maybe how what women think of what men want is so different of what men think they want. Anyway, since what usually attracts me the most in a guy is a kind of repartee you can only have by taking part of the conversation, I didn't try this theory. But I will definitely let you know if I do. And if you did try it, please let us know how it went via Facebook, our websites, Instagram with the hashtag ISWpodcast. We check everything. And we want the guy's opinion too. Especially if you are single, cute, funny, smart, and look like Will Arnett. Or even if you are Will Arnett. Do not hesitate. But let's be honest for a minute. Even the rom-com stopped selling us the Prince Charming concept a few years back. We are at the point where we've basically all accepted the fact that we are all screwed up. The manic depressive guys have slowly replaced the Prince Charming. Now, we are looking for somebody with the neurosis that will complete ours. Or, at the very least, I for sure want a guy more fucked up than I am. In our search for a partner, we have to become these Sherlock Holmes from modern age going through all the clues we can find to figure out what's wrong with this guy we like, before revealing ourselves fully, emotional luggage and cellulite included. And since we've all become such talking experts, we can now find anything on anybody online, from hobbies to medical reports. Thank you, Facebook. But it's really hard to know what's real or not when personal branding is a second nature, our exposition of our life through social media a given, and the multiplication of the way of communication is inevitable. I mean, verbal, body language, text, email, emoji, seriously? But if you start to think, I'll never find a guy in my life, and feel the bitter old maid within awaking, do not fear. You can have a nice one-night stand with a hot stranger. First, because guys love being hunt for sport. And secondly, nobody goes on Tinder to find love. Now, a little bit more about me. It's always difficult to give a quick presentation of yourself. That's one of the reasons why I don't online date. My profile would be something like that. Angeline, New York, New York. You can love things that sparkle and still be bright. Thing you should know about me. I don't understand the first thing about dating because I'm French and we don't do that. I'm available to discuss if any question. That's what she said. Jokes are my favorite. As the last person who interviewed me for a job and told me to make sure it's long enough. And to conclude, 
I'm the worst texter on the planet. If you send me what's up, I'll basically send you a sum up of my last therapy session in 12 texts. See why I don't online date? Actually, that's not true. I tried Hinge once, but my outcome was so bad that I actually lost Facebook friends. But I swear, other than that, I'm a regular girl. Some might say basic, but I would cut them. The only thing I would like to add for now is that I'm usually a perceptive person. I knew right away that Danny was into Mindy. But when it comes to a guy I like, I am always very wrong. Which brings us five years ago. I was really into this guy, Nick, friend of a friend, cutish, not in a Zac Efron kind of way, but more like Seth Rogen, if that makes any sense. Super nice to me. Always starting conversation, funny, interesting. And at some point, I don't remember exactly how, I realized I like this guy. Most probably because he's cute and I felt he liked me. So I decided to talk to one of our mutual friends about him. Then two, then three, and soon way too many. But all of them were trying to help me figure out this guy who were clearly interested in what I had to say, but would never do anything more than hang out platonically with me. It was almost like he was more turned on by his bicycle than by me. You should have heard him talk about his bike's pedal. At some point, I decided to take the matter in my own hands and ask him to go for a drink. Fuck the damsel in distress act. He agreed. At this point, we were two months in. All my concealer friend agreed. If he said yes to meet me, it means that he liked me. Otherwise, why would he come to this drink? Two more months passed by, and I start to feel my first enthusiasm lowering. Maybe also unconsciously due to some kind of self-preservation. But my curiosity kept pushing me to finally get to the bottom of this story. I don't know if you read this article, but a new study proves that you can actually die from curiosity. Don't quote me on that. At some point, due to my major manipulative skill, or most likely his kindness, we ended up walking together home after a party. So here we were, walking for 30 minutes in Paris by night. It seemed to be the perfect moment to kind of start the conversation and finally get my answer. Maybe my closure? So I start with a kind of hidden introduction to the subject. I have a question for you. Nick interrupts me. I think I know what your question is. At this point, I'm like, so if you know what I'm about to ask... Should I ask it or not? He stays mysterious. Well, do whatever you want. Me. But if you already know the answer, tell me if I should ask it or not. That's when he added blandly. I'm gay. I'm sorry, what? At this point, I feel like I'm in a TV show. I'm Rachel from Friends. 
And my second reaction really surprised him because I simply replied, That's a perfect answer. A little shocked and confused, he said, Really? And I said, Yes, because this way there is no awkwardness between us and we can really be friends. And I really meant it. We've been friends ever since. I think it's because Nick was really, wasn't really out yet. And the fact that I kept his secret, even from my council of friends, showed him that he could trust me. And the fact that he trusted me enough to tell me his secret made me feel closer to him. And I kind of always knew that this guy liked me. Not necessarily in the way I thought, but in a honest way. And in the end, I was fine with it. I finally had the will to my grace, the Elijah to my Anna, the Stanford to my Carrie. And we lived happily whatever after. The end. Just kidding. This situation was actually an eye-opener. I can absolutely not trust my deduction skills when it comes to guys alike. This was not the first time I've been wrong, but this was certainly the most incredibly wrong I've been. And for four months! And I took all my friends with me on my crazy ride. I remember thinking afterward that this doesn't happen to normal people. In real life, they see the sign. They get the message. Well, I surely didn't. After that, I tried to be more careful, but I always follow the same pattern. And thanks to Nick, I had finally identified my pitfall. When I like a guy, I create a whole story in my head about who he is and why, based on my observation. Like, if he has a big forehead, that means he's smart. The size of his finger is highly telling, especially the thumb. And I recently read a book about how to recognize a psychopath too. So, I know the criteria now. But I must admit, this is not necessarily a deal-breaker. Except if he has actually done some barbarian acts against women, in this case, it would bother me. But that seems fair, I think. Otherwise, if he has psychopath or sociopath tendency, I just would like to know to be prepared. My deal-breaker are dreadlocks, a guy who spends more time than I do in the bathroom, and by looking at him, I need to be sure that he can lift me, basically that I'm not more fat or tall than he is. Hey, a girl's got to have a standards. Five years passed by, and I'm still trying to get out of this recurring pattern, which, as you guessed, is not easy. And I'm far from done. So I talked about it a lot with my friends. And it seems to me that all of us, incredibly single people, have our own pattern. And we all think that these kind of stories only happen to us. And we have to deal with those by ourselves. But that's not true. So instead of crying about it alone in my bath, or going through therapy, I decided to do the only things that seemed logical to me. Share my private thoughts by broadcasting them on the internet. So, here we go. 
part one or how I always go for the unavailable men. <laughs>